Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest this morning, Ms. Sarah Mashidis and Kira Gillis. I hope I got those right. We were practicing before we went on live. How are you both doing? <laughs> uh, we're good. Talk. We're great. We're good Thanks. Time. And you did. Good job. Yeah, you nailed it. Thank you so much. My, as many of my guests, uh, my audience knows, my first rule of podcasting is get the name right. And then you're off to the races from there. <laughs> uh, we were joking off air. Small world. I love Calgary. Three degrees, one degree, half a degree of separation. A mutual friend, Mr. Jade Alberts, introduced me to the two of you for the amazing work you're doing with Collectively Tangled. So let's turn it over to you. Let's let the audience into the, uh, I love jumping in the elevator. And what is what is a Collectively Tangled? What, do you, what, what are you guys all about? What do you do? <laughs> what do you care about? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Let's start from there. Absolutely. Yeah. So Collectively Tangled is a social enterprise and we offer mental health services specifically targeted targeted towards entrepreneurs and those working in the startup and innovation sector. So we're mental health professionals. Both of us are social workers and therapists who also speak and understand entrepreneurial language because we are also founders. And so we integrate into organizations to meet entrepreneurs where they are, while also assisting organizations to maximize their own resources and outcomes. And we offer custom packages of courses, workshops, counseling, and consulting to provide both prevention and intervention and make sure everyone has the skills and knowledge they need to stay well on the wild ride that is the startup life. <laughs> it is an absolutely wild ride. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go right at it. How big is this? Is this? Mm. I'm gonna call it a problem mm. because of course it's an opportunity, and we're mm. and we're and we're entrepreneurs and we're forward thinking. We turn problems into opportunities. But let's talk about the nuts and bolts mm-hmm. of the. We live in a time where I live now, uh, I've been around for a few years. This is not a topic of conversation five, 10 years ago, maybe even a few mm-hmm. years ago since now, but it doesn't mean it wasn't a problem. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss sometimes, but doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's not true. What is the scope and the reality of what you see? And obviously both coming from your professional practices and, and moving, and we'll talk a little bit about your own journey into entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. but how big is this? How concerned should we be? Is it still swept under the rug a little bit? Or are we entering a time frame where, yeah, the problem is big, but we're also talking about it more than ever? Absolutely. Um, mm. Well, maybe I'll start Kira and then, and then you can jump in. Um, yeah, I would say that this is a, it's a big concern <laughs> um, okay. in terms of, you know, if we're going to compare entrepreneurs and, and the general Canadian population, entrepreneurs experience mental health challenges at, at greater rates than the general population. Um, and as much as this is something that we are talking about more now than you know, we have been in the past. We're obviously sitting here this morning on on this podcast. The three of us are chatting about it. Um, I would say there's there's still a long way to go. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. For j- just the comparison of yeah. Sorry, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just thinking about that. Like the the average citizen, mm. the average. I'm excuse me. Was there mm-hmm. any such thing as average? A non entrepreneur and, mm-hmm. and an entrepreneur. We also, when I'm going to put myself in that category, we choose we choose to put mm-hmm. ourselves in this pressure cooker. But that doesn't mean it's mm-hmm. not going to still be hard, right? Like, well, you chose the path, mm-hmm. like, well, yeah. But and this is still going on, right? It's still hard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, there's a difference between this is hard, and I have the skills and knowledge and resources to navigate that and be well mm. through that. And this is, I'm stressed and I'm burnt out. And to put some like numbers on that impact that Sarah's describing. And it's not just, oh, I'm personally feeling challenged. Over 50% of founders feel that their mental health interferes with their ability to work. Hmm. Right? We compare that to 20% of the Canadian population. And what's extra concerning 
is despite having greater need, entrepreneurs are significantly less likely to access supports. And so stigma, not knowing how to access services and cost are a big piece of that. Um, and again, to like put some numbers to that, there's really interesting slash concerning research that when we look at leadership in companies, 80% are reporting levels of exhaustion typical with burnout risk. And over 50% worry that if they access support, it would impact their career. Interesting. And so even when we're talking about it, often we're talking about it on, um, you know, workplace mental health. And a lot of those initiatives are focused on employee mental health, you know, and a lot of founders like, yes, I want to support my employees mental health. And that's important. But also that leadership founders need to be making sure their mental health is in a strong place, both for themselves, but it also that impacts their team. When we look at mental health initiatives and companies and workplaces that have positive impacts, they have to have a leadership component to be effective. And so you were talking about it, but there still can often be this mentality of like, yes, but for mm -hmm. other people, mm -hmm. that's important for other people, but I am somehow exempt um, yes. <laughs> from this. I was and, and there's a cost, there's a personal cost and a, you know, poor mental health cost, the Canadian economy, 50, uh, $50 million a year. Real, real numbers. Which is not oh, a small amount of money. I was at a conference yesterday and one of the gentlemen on the panel that I was on shared of when you're on a plane and they explain to you if there's a drop mm. of uh, oxygen in the cabin and the mask drops. If you're with children and loved ones, put your mask on first mm -hmm. because you can't help them if you don't take care of <laughs> yes. yourself first. And he used that as a metaphor, which I thought was, I thought that was, I thought it was, it was powerful because we all went, everyone in the audience nodded. Right. Let's, I want to spin back a little bit. So many things you said I want to unpack, but how do you define mm. burnout? It's easy to say it's kind of, it's easy mm. to flip off. It's easy. It's easy when it's something someone else is going through, mm. but to admit that, what are we, what are we even admitting? Give us a little bit of context. Like maybe let's just start by defining what burnout is or how it's recognized and then we'll unpack it a little bit further. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, when we, when we're talking about burnout, um, the way that we often sort of talk about that experience, um, within collectively tangled is, you know, we talk about different kinds of stress. And so when we're talking about, um, burnout, typically that means that, an individual has experienced this chronic stress. So um, the stressor that is is sort of present in their lives, such as, you know, an entrepreneur or a founder who is, uh, you know, building a company, building a business, growing a team, trying to make a difference in the world. Um, the That stressor is, is sort of ever-present. And so... Um, when we talk about our, our stress response system and, and how we navigate that and how we respond to that, we're always at this elevated level. Um, we're never necessarily coming back to our baseline. And that has very real impacts on, you know, how we're able to go about our day to day, how we're able to function, you know, how we show up for our family, for our friends, for our teams. Um, mm -hmm. so, so to put a little science behind it and, it's just literally mm -hmm. like when you're talking about you're constantly in a sympathetic nervous system response, you have chronically elevated levels mm -hmm. of cortisol, stress hormones, no matter what, the tiger's always just behind you. 
and we're not made to sustain. Mm-hmm. If we just think about our uh, our physiology, we're not able to sustain everything feeling yeah. like a ti- like a tiger, right? Is that a way to just almost to, to maybe complicate it, but then maybe simplify it at the same time? Absolutely, absolutely. Go yeah. for it, Kira. So our stress is always going to go up and down in waves, right? That's how it's designed to be, right? Like there's a, a trigger, right? We perceive something as some kind of threat. Our stress rises, and it's a system that's designed to be helpful. And in the short term, a lot of those things can be helpful, right? Like we get um, an adrenaline rush. We can like be really narrow in on focus. We're more um, likely to notice what are like what are some risks. So if you're preparing for a board presentation, let's say that can be helpful. I'm less motivated by things that I find pleasurable. So I'm you know less tempted to go do the fun thing. I'm going to like sit down get this presentation hammered out. And I'm also, while I'm doing that, thinking about, okay, well, what could go wrong? They could ask me this question. I haven't answered that. And right. And then you do the board presentation, that stress goes back down to a baseline, right? That's healthy stress. That's positive stress. Even that's stress that can help facilitate like learning and growth. And a big, I would say misconception sometimes is that looking after mental health is about getting rid of stress. And that's a not possible, especially in entrepreneurship. B, I would, we'd argue not even safe. Like we want our body's smoke detector system to be on and working. But when we talk about burnout, it's that smoke detector is always on. And like you said, it's not a system that's designed to be chronic. It's a system that's designed to be acute. And when it stays high in a way it's not designed to, there's a lot of physiological things that we expect are going to happen. And that's why I think having conversations like this are so important because there's a lot of People who are like, well, like, A, why is my brain being an asshole if I just tried harder, (laughs) right? If I just force it harder, then I can get this out. But it's like, no, no, like, okay, if you're having gut issues, if you are having what we call like pattern-based ways of thinking, right? Um, And that, you know, everything is more likely to feel stressful when you're in a stress response, And when you're in a state of burnout, so something that normally you're like, oh yeah, I can roll with that, roll with those punches. Part of burnout and part of that chronic stress is this is very stressful. I can't roll with these punches. This feels like the world is ending. Um, Or I feel really apathetic because it's, it's all too much. And so these things that it can be really, really powerful for people to have that knowledge to recognize, oh no, this is not you doing something wrong. This is your brain and body responding in the ways it was designed to respond. Mm-hmm. But it's not that helpful when the problem is ongoing mm-hmm. and it's, you know, the relationship with your board, right? That stressor may not go away um, like running away from a tiger does, right? And so much of this extrinsic versus extrinsic, you, and like what makes this complicated is that what might cause, what might be too much for one person is not for the other. What might be fine for you at one mm-hmm. in Q1 uh-huh. might be too much for you at the end of Q2. Mm-hmm. And yes, maybe I need more sleep and I need to drink more water and, and maybe I don't need to go to the gym more and work out more because that's just adding another stressor. <laughs> like there's so many misnomers and the individual nature of this challenge is very mm-hmm. real. And when you're busy, Absolutely. who often who often lacks the least itself? Mm. Right. <laughs> and not that I'm speaking not that I'm speaking from personal experience <laughs> at all. Well, I, I mean, I think, and that comes exactly back to the you know that um, yeah the analogy of of the oxygen mask on the plane. Yeah, we use that all mm. the time because um, it is very very true that you know if you the thing is you're you're right, Tyler. That 
when we are more stressed, when um, that sort of stress response is elevated, and you know when things are difficult and when things are challenging, what's the first thing that often goes? The the steps that we Self. take to take care of ourselves, right? So maybe that is prioritizing, you know, going to the gym or exercising, getting outside for a walk. Mm -hmm. Maybe that is, you know, prioritizing sleep, right? Like how often getting a good night's sleep. Yeah, like you got a you have a big deadline and you know, what do you do? You stay up late and you crunch through it and you you give up some of that sleep, right? And so when Mm -hmm. when we're talking about this, it's like the whole, you know, everything that we at Collectively Tangled are are advocating for is, you know, learning the skills, the tools, uh, developing that knowledge and understanding and recognition Mm -hmm. that like, as a founder, you are your business's number one asset. If you do not take care of yourself, not only are you individually and personally going to suffer, but your business is going to suffer too. Um, and there mm-hmm. is like there's science, there's data, there's research to back that up because mm-hmm. if you aren't taking care of yourself, it impacts how you can make decisions. It impacts, you know, how you were able to think through problems. It impacts your working memory. And so, you know, all of if, if we, if we have a conversation when we talk about, you know, the top reasons why, why startups fail, right? Like usually burnout is somewhere on the list there. But actually, if we we look at that list of things that's contributing to, you know, failure, so to speak, or a lack of success in terms of maybe getting your your startup or your company to where you want it to go, um, mental health is a part of all of those things. Mm -hmm. Do you feel in the conversations that you're having with the startup founders, I'm assuming there's some VCs find their way into the room, are we are we even willing mm. to let go? I'm being cynical here, but I'm agreeing with you and being just for the <laughs> sake of a good conversation. Are we willing mm. to let go of the superhero founder? Are we willing to let go of like, oh yeah, work life balance, mm. great, but did you see so and so how successful for they they mm. hustled and you know, we're inundated with hustle culture on on Instagram mm-hmm. or whatever. Pick 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 your pick your po- pick your poison. But very sure, yeah, we celebrate work life balance. But I love what you said. That's for other people. <laughs> That's not for me. Like I'm gonna mm-hmm. hustle because I know that if I don't stay up late and I don't work the extra hours and you know, the anti sleep culture and like so much I slept four hours <laughs> and I've already been at the gym for three hours and I played a game of golf and it's only seven in the morning. You're like, okay, that sounds exhausting. I slept in and I feel great. Now I'm going to go and be, make, be turbo productive. I feel we're still so addicted to that just as a, the mm-hmm. stigma, the, the superhero. We love, we love hero worship in our culture. Uh-huh. And I find we, we mm-hmm. worship the extreme more than we worship the balance. Thoughts, th- thoughts, point of view. <laughs> There's my, so I got on a soapbox there for a second. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Well, no. And I think that one of the things that I really love about working with, with startups and entrepreneurs is you, you have to show the, the facts and the like, okay, well tell me why I want to change. And it has to make sense. Right. Um, and so this idea of we're saying, we're not saying don't do hard things. We're saying, well, here's how you can go faster for longer and be more effective. Right. Um, and so I think that really challenging this idea that somehow looking after and prioritizing mental health is going to take away from capacity in some mm. way of like, well, now I'm going to have to say no to things. And now I'm going to have to step back where it's like, no, this, this is actually something that adds to capacity. Right. Um, sometimes we'll mm. use the analogy of uh, like F1 racing that 
those really cool, fast cars, they still have pit stops. <laughs> They're really efficient, yeah. right? And that's often what wins a race is how efficient that pit crew is, right? Listen, you're going to have to stop and fill up the gas tank at some point. Why not have it be as efficient as possible so you, again, can go faster for longer? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that airplane oxygen mask analogy, which is so great. Also, if you shift it, you're the pilot, <laughs> Right. You're not just a passenger. Right. Yes. You're not just a crew member. <laughs> you are, you're the pilot. And I think that sometimes what gets, gets missing in conversations around, especially mental health is, um, yes, put on that airplane oxygen mask, but that's step one. Mm. Then why is the plane falling out of the sky? Right. <laughs> and when you frame it like that, people are like, oh yeah, like I want to know why the plane is falling. I want to fix that. Right. And we need to put on the airplane oxygen mask in order to do that. And I think that the the hard piece often is we want to make sure people have the skills and knowledge to understand that process because it's going to look different each time. You know, sometimes it's I'm going to prioritize sleep and sometimes it's, oh, I'm going to step in headfirst to this thing that's stressful, that board mm-hmm. meeting. I'm actually just going to have the conversation with them that is causing some of the stress and anxiety and it mm-hmm. might be a hard conversation to have, but I'm going to step into that. It's not always about stepping away with mental health. Mm-hmm. Often it's about stepping in. Um, and when we, it's kind of interesting look at like, well, what, what do entrepreneurs do currently to look after their mental health? They're doing a lot of the right things. They're it's their top coping strategies, going for a walk, going to the gym, eating right. It's like, okay, these, so this foundation's here, but what sometimes is missing is that, um, kind of what you were alluding to that piece of taking this, this pause is not a pause to stop and step away. It's this is allows me to step in to things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Allows you to, yeah. Allows um, you to regroup. I, I appreciate, I appreciate the further we, for long, for longer mm-hmm. because success is like compound interest. You got to stick with it and you need to keep working through, mm-hmm. you know, it's like being an athlete or anything like that. If you get a training injury, you're not training anymore. You're off the field. So maybe mm-hmm. train a little bit less hard being involved in you know, There's so many metaphors. I love we've everything from aviation to formula <laughs> one to like, we're pulling it all in, yeah. but it makes it relatable. So I'm, I'm assuming when I attend one of your programs, you really set the stage and I love what you've both have already done. Even for me, it's like, no, no, we're not saying that stress is bad. We're saying that we need to be, there's more effective ways to manage it. Absolutely. One is to understand it and appreciate it and respect it, that mm-hmm. everyone's journey is mm-hmm. different. So let's get into some of the tactics. You already talked about, I say some of the table stake stuff, like, oh, go for a walk and eat right. And things that I think most of us know, I would, I would argue that most people mm-hmm. go, yes, I'm aware of these things. Do you get into yes. the, but why you're not doing them to conversation? Mm. <laughs> yeah. When, when, <laughs> what often we'll say is it matters way less, like whatever the outcome is, if it's go for a walk, if it's have that hard conversation, if it's keep working, that matters very little to us. What matters to us is how did you come to that choice and making sure that you have the skills, knowledge about yourself, about the science to make an informed choice, right? And so we really focus on the process and the skills because yes, if someone says go for a walk, you're like, okay, I know, I know that, but sometimes that's not the right answer. And why, Mm -hmm. why is that the right answer? That's what's important to us. So the skills to recognize, sometimes we use the analogy, like an internal dashboard, right? What's, what's going on, what, what is happening and have the awareness and skills to have that internal check-in. Um, and then the skills and knowledge to say, well, what do I do with this information? What's going to 
be most beneficial to me in this moment. And it's not about giving people answers. It's again, setting them up for that process. Absolutely. You you said something earlier, Tyler, just around um, a comment that, you know, in terms of, um, yeah, sort of this, this work and, and uh, paying attention to our mental health and our mental well-being, that it's all relative, right? And, and, you know, depending on the individual, depending on the day, the week, the quarter, right? Like, what I think it's important to acknowledge that what works for one person in a given moment doesn't mean that it's going to work for everybody in that same moment. And even if we're just talking about that individual, it's, it's relative based on what's going on around you. And so, as Kira said, that's all well and fine to suggest, you know, hey, take a walk. But depending on sort of where you are at in terms of the, uh, your stress response system, what you are experiencing, how intense those feelings of uh, stress are, like what you need is going to look different. And um, so, yeah, as, as Kira said, we spend a lot of time mapping that out and, and sort of figuring that out so that in the moment uh, it's clear. You know what to do. You know what you need. You can identify, hey, this is where I'm at. And based on that, you know, this is what I need. Because a lot of the times we, we might be able to identify, okay, like I'm, yeah, I'm pretty stressed right now. But if I were to ask you, all right, and what do you need? What's going to help regulate you in this moment? Um, for a lot of us, we don't know. Because we haven't spent the time work like working through that process and mapping those things out is it a is it a correct thought pattern and tell me if i'm wrong here that in often the moment of that question the thing i will say is whatever i think is causing me the stress i need that to go Mm. away i need that person to stop (laughs) versus Mm -hmm. the ownership of like oh Mm -hmm. i can't really change them but i can change how i show up but i would i would guess that a lot of time the answer was the thing versus the me. Mm. I don't know. Is that, oh, I on, totally. is that right? Yeah. Or is that, was that just my response? <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's very much. Um, yeah, that's very common. And mm. so again, this comes back to, I think Kira, you mentioned this early on in the conversation, but this idea that, you know, when we, we talk to founders and entrepreneurs and folks working at startups about stress, right? Like a lot of times the response is I want it to go away. Right. And so, and sometimes that is also, you know, if we're talking about the the stressor, right? What is the thing that is causing the problem? Yeah, then then the desire or the idea of like, okay, how do I fix this situation is to get rid of that thing, make that thing go away. Um, but it's really important to recognize that one, that's not always possible, especially in the world of of entrepreneurship and innovation, as we talked about, right? Like those, mm-hmm. a lot of those stressors are ever ever present. Ev- they're very prevalent. So they're not going anywhere, right? So you sitting here saying like, mm-hmm. well, I want, I want that to, <laughs> I want that to go away. I want um, the financial worry or constraints that I'm experiencing right now as a result of, of being an entrepreneur. I want that to go away. Great. That's all well and fine. And we hope that you get there, but that's not solving. That's not, that's not helping you in that moment, right? It's about, okay, so that's not, I don't necessarily have control of that in that moment right now. What do I have control over? And you're totally right, Tyler. It comes back to you, the person, right? What do I do? How do I respond? 
And the financial mm-hmm. one is such a good example. I've met many an entrepreneur that now is well down the road and I don't know when you stop being an entrepreneur and start being a business owner. That's another that's another <laughs> dialogue in itself. When are you not a startup anymore? And when are you a business? That's, that's even a mm-hmm. weird paradigm. But they got so addicted to worrying about the money. Mm. Even when they don't have to mm. worry about money, they still worry about the money. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but mm-hmm. oh, but I could, it could all go away any day. I'm like, you've got, I've had a friend, a conversation with a friend the other day and he said, do you still, even now that you're this many years in and still worry that one day it could just all go away? I was like, absolutely. Mm. It's just way less. It doesn't induce the same stress because I've learned to trust that it's probably not going to. But this is an individual 10 years in, well-established business, built it from scratch, and is just, was, like, is it also a bit of a habit sometimes in terms of how we engage with these things? Mm-hmm. Muscle, like muscle memory, right? Yeah, yeah. And we- The groove, the, takes, those synapses get well-worn, yes, right? <laughs> exactly. And it takes intentional practice to rewire some of that muscle memory. And it also requires awareness. You need to know that this is a pattern I have. And so, like you mentioned, you know, why don't these things get done? One of the things that's really cool, I would say, that we get to do is, is you know, combine this this knowledge base we have as, as therapists and our experience working with lots of entrepreneurs and being entrepreneurs of, okay, here are some common patterns and really kind of distilling it down into a really efficient way of, all right, we, we often know what causes some of those grooves, right? Like that financial example was not... <laughs> uh, <laughs> something Sarah just pulled out of thin air, right? Like that's something. Oh, we, everyone, we everyone listening is nodding <laughs> as we're talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And like an example of that can often be that like a lot of entrepreneurs have what we call like a really high internal locus of control, right? Of like, mm. I should be able to like make this happen and it's, it's internal, right? And you need a lot of that. But then when it also comes into things like, um, interestingly, like our thoughts and how we feel, we can't always control that because sometimes there's some of that muscle memory built into that. What we can control is how we respond. And so if we are like pushing against this brick wall that we're like, I should be able to have this inside my control. It's really frustrating and it doesn't get a lot of places, but you know, being able to take that step back and be like, okay, what is actually outside of my control and what is in my control? That's then now we see the path of, how can I rewire some of these muscle memories that aren't working for me? Right. Uh, just taking, taking that um, pause. And I, I love the word should years ago. I heard don't should all over yourself. Mm, it always yeah. me Cause it's so, yeah. as soon as you start running that narrative or I have a leader, I have one leader. We, we said, she's, oh, they should know. I'm like, should they? Did you tell them? Mm-hmm. Well, no, but they just should. I'm like, really? Okay, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. Right. So, and it was a coaching moment. Yeah. And I know I have my own triggers, but sometimes those triggers are so mm-hmm. much easier to recognize than someone else, aren't they? <laughs> yes, absolutely. absolutely yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah. <laughs> that should is always a, a, a flag, let's say. It, it is. I like what you said, though, about patterns. We, you know, we've, we've all have traumas and triggers. Mm-hmm. And Lots of times you think you're driving, but you're not. It's a past or, you know, I joke, when's the last time you asked a six-year-old for advice? Well, probably every day because there's things you learned and patterns you picked up mm-hmm. that are now showing up and getting mm-hmm. triggered. And that sober moment Absolutely. of like, wait, wait a second, this is causing more doors than it's opening. Where's this coming from? But that takes a bit of a mm-hmm. pause. Like to your point, when I'm running a hundred yeah. mile an hour, I often don't get time to take that pause or I don't, I don't give myself permission mm-hmm. maybe is a better way to say it. Mm. Yeah. I, I would say the, mm-hmm. I love that piece of, um, yeah, I don't, I don't give myself permission, right? There's like a, a big piece in all of this that is the importance and the need of, of permission giving, right? And so even when we're talking about, you know, in terms of this whole process, 
right? Giving yourself permission to actually engage in the process, giving yourself permission to hit the pause button so that not so that you stop, not so that you step back, but pausing so that, as Kira said, you can lean in. Um, but if you are, as you said, Tyler, moving, you know, like you're going a thousand miles an hour, um, it's going to be mighty hard to take that quick pause mm-hmm. yeah. and regroup and then continue, right? You got to slam on the brakes mm-hmm. to stop. Well, I love, I love yeah. what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing in the way you're positioning it is again, being an athlete for years. And the old way was you get an injury, you sit on the couch. The therapists mm. don't prescribe that anymore. You go to your Cairo, your, your physio, whoever, they're like, well, get active, but do the right type of activity. Like, don't sit around. Like, that's just going to stiffen up the joint or the injury. But also, if you don't work on the imbalance, then it becomes a ginormous terror, and then you have mm-hmm. no choice, and it puts you on the, on the couch or whatever, wherever it puts you. But that philosophy of like, no, 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 we're still going to keep moving. We're just going to be intentional. We're going to do things to strengthen up our areas. That, mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing. Since we're picking on the sports thing, uh-huh. uh, uh, that sounds a Absolutely. lot more like, okay, I don't want to go see that. I know people that won't go see certain therapists because they're like they're just going to tell me not to do the thing i love and i'm gonna i'm not yeah. gonna stop i want someone how to tell yeah. me how to do it better and not get hurt i'm like ah oh, i like that give me, please give me that give me that person's number yes that's Absolutely. what i'm hearing coming out you of the narrative say, here which i love i love yes but therapy is not supposed to be a massage it's supposed to be physio <laughs> like like physical therapy right of like this is kind of uncomfortable it, hurt, it hurts a little bit moment, it's I hard don't always love <laughs> it's hard. it but it, it increases that range of motion. And like when we're saying like these strategies that people know, right? Like, and the go for a walk, take deep breath. Those, those are important, but they're step one because they're important for what reason they give us the space to say, okay, what do I need to be doing differently here? What's going on? Like, why is my knee hurting when I do this? Right. But if we just stop at that step one, we run the risk of what we call like reset therapy or reset work, which we don't want to do where that smoke alarm's going off, that stress anxiety system is turning on and you press the reset button and then you keep burning the toast or whatever it is that you're doing. <laughs> and you press the fire, reset, you the press fire reset, didn't you go press out. Reset. The fire didn't go out. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, well, what's the point of this? And I would agree. Yes. What is the point of that? it is really important. And again, that's that step one. It's a really foundational thing to be able to press reset. So you're like, okay, the beeping has stopped. I can kind of look, is something on fire? And if it's on fire, let's do something to, um, to, to address that. Right. And, but I absolutely agree with you. It's, it's not about pressing reset and be like, okay, now I'm never going to do something stressful ever again, because a probably not realistic and B that sounds like a potentially small bad life to avoid stress and hard things and not do things that are rewarding and challenging. And there's so much research that's come out of like, it's, it's that resistance and that friction and that trial and error that actually grows us as humans. It's not comfort and Mm -hmm. living in a bubble that doesn't actually work. (laughs) You know, Oh, I want everything to be perfect in my life. Yet that's not where you learn. That's not where you are tested. That's not where you find out the version of yourself that you haven't become yet. Mm-hmm. And that's the fun part of the journey. And I think there's just back to your mm-hmm. point about, there is some more solid numbers showing that those stresses, not just in the gym, since we're going <laughs> to pick up the five pounds tomorrow, I pick up 10 pounds a week from now. What you're talking about is the exact same thing, mm-hmm. but it's not as visually, mm-hmm. you can't see it. You don't see your bicep and the pieces we're picking on the sports stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. my big question now, why the heck did you two decide to get into this game? 
<laughs> you went from helping and being nurturing and supportive in those roles. You said, you know what? We need to take this farther. Let's let's actually go and live the thing that we're trying to help. I don't know. I just I love it on so many levels. We could talk for two hours on all the tactics, but I don't want to give away all the trade secrets. I want people to cir- cir- search you out and go and take some of your programs, which we'll talk about later. But you made the decision to come together and actually build a business. Tell me a little bit about about, about that. What in your right mind? I'm just kidding, of course. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way, so I love it. Welcome to the club. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wild and wonderful journey. That's for sure. Um, nice. I think you know, Kira. I think I'll speak for both of us, but you know, you jump in. That like, yeah, we've both um, as social workers, you know, working in the the mental health space. Um, you know, we we're very passionate about about the work that we do, about the work that we've done in the past. Um, but we're also like, we're very systems oriented. And so, you know, sometimes when working with folks on an individual level, right, when, when there maybe is a much larger systemic issue at hand, um, sure, we can support somebody in a, you know, individually in that moment, but it can feel a little bit like you're putting band-aids on these big wounds. Right. And so, um, I think that, you know, for both of us, we were really drawn to this work because we wanted to, um, we wanted to be a part of, of some greater systems change. And, you know, when you mm-hmm. were, I'm going to, I'm probably jumping back, what, 20 minutes here, but you were, you were talking, Tyler, about, you know, like within the ecosystem, within the space, you know, in terms of some of the stigma around mental health and that hustle and grind culture, you know, are we are we willing to change, right? Do we even want to change? I mean, that's, that's really why Kira and I are doing what we're doing. You're like at the core of this, you know, our vision Mm -hmm. is to, to create this culture within the innovation landscape where, you know, entrepreneurs and community leaders honor and recognize mental health as an essential aspect of entrepreneurial success. Like that's the change that we want to see. Mm -hmm. And that's why we get up every day and spend a long time Mm -hmm. in front of our, our computers and, you know, spend many hours and, you know, shed the the blood, sweat and tears because, you know, that impact is very much at the core of what we do. And we see that there's so much Mm -hmm. potential within, uh, within our ecosystem to make that shift, um, and to change things for the better. Um, and so we're, we're here to make that happen. Is the, and, is the market, is the ecosystem, is it receptive? Are people like, I didn't even know I needed this, but now that I found it, this has had a huge, like what's, obviously you look for that cut product market fit and it, the customer is involved mm-hmm. in this journey. Uh, and you're very mm-hmm. clear on who your profile and who your customer is, which I love. That's kind of, that's often sometimes challenging when you're, when you've got a great idea, but your idea is directly tied to a certain group. I guess, how did you end up picking? Cause you could have done this for a variety of groups, could be existing leaders at fortune mm-hmm. 500 companies. You chose the startup ecosystem. What was the specific draw to that group of individuals? Absolutely. Well, like you said, problems present opportunities and it, mm-hmm. it was actually kind of interesting that like, like Sarah said, both of us were doing the work, like clinical work um, and feeling like we were putting band-aids on things and really wanting to make more of a systems impact and, you know, wanting to talk to people who see things differently. And we actually were approached by someone in the ecosystem who was um, wanting some like, consulting work essentially on some policy works because they were experiencing some challenges. And so Sarah and I did what we often do and looked to the research. And we're like, wow, this is a really compelling story that 
you know, what's interesting is if you ask entrepreneurs how they're doing at that point, it was 80%, but it's now dropped to 70% in two years. Say they're, they're fine. They're satisfied with their mental health. When you ask follow-up questions, well, 62%, I think that's now gone up to close to 70, feel depressed once a week. Um, 80% of senior leadership reports, yeah, exhaustion, typical with burnout risk. And they're not accessing services. Like, this is really interesting. Um, there's this big need. And from that systems approach, we were really excited about the having conversations with people who see things differently than us right, who don't think of mental health as inherently important and a positive thing. And we're also really excited about the impact of, okay, these are leaders in our community mm-hmm. and, you know, future leaders of big companies. And if they're thinking about mental health and wellness differently, the potential for impact that has for both them, the companies that they are creating, the people who are going to work for them, and also, you know, the Alberta and Canada in a broader sense. Um, and so that was something that we were really excited. And as we went in and that it's been really exciting to be part of seeing that shift, right? Like we are in conversations where people are like, mental health is a dirty word. Don't, you can't (laughs) say mental health. And we're excited to be in those conversations. Like that's where we want to be. And we are seeing that, you know, um, it increased by 10%, the number of entrepreneurs who want to access services. They aren't always, but who want to. Um, And when we talk about mental health in the way that we've been talking about it in this conversation of, no, no, we're not saying just like green juice and walks and deep Mm -hmm. breaths. We're talking like, this is what we really mean when we talk about mental health and resiliency. People are like, oh yeah, I want that. Right. And I think Uh, I love the the reframing of it. It's not magical. It's not mystical. Yeah. Um, So that's been really exciting to be a part of. I guess two questions and very, very logical questions, maybe. Um, are people willing to spend the time that's required to at least get to know the idea in the way that you're presenting it? And two, I can't help but ask, are they willing to invest in it? Mm. Quote, unquote, are they willing to pay for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great questions. And and I would say mm-hmm. uh, yes, <laughs> that, you know, there um, there is a a willingness to engage in these conversations and have these conversations. Obviously there are some folks who, you know, are, are early adopters and maybe have been thinking about these things in the past. And so when we, when we come to them and we chat with them and we, you know, present um, what we see and, and ways that, that we uh, know we can change this, some of these pieces, uh, they're pretty excited because they're like, yes, I have, this has been something that like, Mm -hmm. I am very aware is a problem is an issue. Um, but I didn't know what to do about it. So there's, we, we often talk about finally, finally, something I can do. Yeah. Finally. It's like the, you know, like uh, there's a big, um, yeah, I would say like a big piece that's sort of at the core of what we do is, is this idea Mm -hmm. of bridging talk to action. And so when, Mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of times we are having conversations with folks and um, even if there has been, you know, talk about entrepreneur mental health in the past or people are acknowledging it, a lot of times those conversations, or at least in the past, those conversations would stop there, right? And so what what we're saying is, hey, okay, we hear that, we're here, we know what we can do about it, we have solutions for that, and so let's let's make mm-hmm. that 
that leap or that connection. Well, it's, it's really concept to act like thought, which is more conceptual. Like it's taking the concept, which most of like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I know that. Well, what do you, what can we actually do about it in a tangible way? And let's show mm-hmm. the impact. I'm a yeah. huge advocate for coming from the world of health and fitness. If you've got a healthy workforce, just physically, they're going to be mentally healthy and it's going to deliver. Like this is also a bottom line question. Mm-hmm. Like this is self-serving uh-huh. in that sense. Yes. We have a, if we have the healthiest Absolutely. province in Canada for our entrepreneur ecosystem that are strong in a mental health perspective and all the skills that they need being that as foundation, it's going to give us a, it's going to give us an angle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it like, it does translate Absolutely. to real numbers. This isn't, I don't believe this mm-hmm. is fluffy at all, actually, but I'm very biased. I lean already heavily into your camp. <laughs> Nice. No, if this is about the numbers, then this is about the numbers. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. Yeah. And I think there has been, there absolutely is a um, onus on us to do some of that education for people. There are people who think it is fluffy, but there are hard numbers to back this up. And it, it's not 51 billion. I misspoke. It's 51 million. It's $51 billion. Um, and so yeah. doing nothing these, about these days, if, if you don't, mental it, health, everything's a B these days. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it, it's, is it, is it generational costs more to do nothing? Mm, yeah, <laughs> do you see, do you, is, is, is it the old, an older generation thinking that like stiff chip, 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 stiff upper lip, keep calm, carry on all that stuff that we all know and, and get celebrated. Is it also, we've got a, a younger generation mm. of leaders. To, you said the point either. If, if, if the leaders of tomorrow who are the junior leaders of today, get this, it's going to change the cards. Right. And sometimes mm-hmm. these things take generations to change mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. feels like we're just on the journey of that generational changeover. And I, I get it. It takes time. Uh-huh. We all want it. Uh, the entrepreneurs among us want it to be tomorrow, okay. but it's going to take a little bit. I get that, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I think that that, and there is generational pieces that, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, like then the research supports that, that younger people are more willing. They often aren't accessing services because um, of the access. But, and to speak to that time piece, I think that, it's when the message is presented sometimes to those more, let's say traditional old school leaders of like, Oh, there's ROI here. Right. And like the ROI is, is quantifiable both in terms of dollars and then also productivity, retention, talent attraction. Um, and then there's also hard numbers on the the cost to doing nothing. And that's, I think I've been a really, really important shift in how we're framing things in that education, especially with certain types of leadership of, the cost of the status quo. Um, uh-huh. And there is a cost to the status quo, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it's there. Uh-huh. I really appreciate, Hey, it's marketing one-on-one. You speak in the language of your audience in a way that they're going to understand. Mm-hmm. And yes, it can be aspirational, but if it's too far, they just don't believe you. And then they ignore you. It's just how we're all over that. I mm-hmm. see the stat recently, 60, 60,000 messages we get in a day. If it doesn't resonate or connect with us or even mm-hmm. get us curious, we're just going to skim over it. Like you can't help it. Actually, <laughs> we have mm-hmm. no ability to process. So what gets cut, what gets cut through yeah. when you're having those conversations? I love what you said of like, it's not only what your ROI can be. Here's the cost. If you do nothing, because uh-huh. oftentimes that's perceived mm-hmm. as well. Well, if I don't touch it, it won't bother. It won't hurt me. Not true. Actually. <laughs> yeah. We, Kira and I mm-hmm. from the get go have already always said that, um, our, our biggest competition is complacency. Mm. Right. And yeah. so, and mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's the, that's the, the case for a lot of, um, you know, social enterprises and sort of social impact oriented companies and startups, right? Like when you're trying to, um, be a part of this broader systems change, uh, that, yeah, you know, what's the, what's the alternative is, is people do nothing, but, 
you know, again, it's, it comes back to that messaging and, and that education piece, right. Of, of, okay, it's the onus is on us at, at collectively tangled. The responsibility is ours to help educate folks that, okay, actually it's, it's pretty expensive if you do nothing like it, there's a huge, there's a huge cost to doing nothing. Um, that is actually far greater than, you know, if you make the investment to make this shift. I appreciate that. How far are you in on your journey? Like, obviously this has been a lifetime passion for you as professionals, <laughs> but for collectively tangled, how, how old, how old, when's collectively tangled's birthday and how many birthdays has it had? <laughs> um, yeah. So we, what are, what are we at now, Kira? About a, almost a year and a half. Are you still doing your age in weeks and months like yeah. that when, for kids? But there's 27 weeks. I'm like, I'm confused. Yeah. 68 weeks. <laughs> so you guys are, you guys have been around for, for about a year and things are obviously you've had some, I've heard because I've heard no people that have been involved in some of the cohorts and I've heard nothing but good things. It sounds like our market is being receptive to this, which makes me excited and also gives me mm-hmm. optimism about our ecosystem, about our marketplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where, yeah. where, where yeah, from so here, what, what, what can we, ex- what can we expect to see here in the next so, little bit, in the next year yeah. or so? So up until now, we've been really focused on building, um, like key partnerships with different capacity builders in Alberta. And so making sure that, you know, different incubator programs, um, so entrepreneurs and startups who may not have the financial resources to have that support are, um, and we, and again, it's been very receptive. We just found out recently, very exciting that the city of Calgary and innovate Calgary and us have a six figure partnership to make, provide really like wraparound services to Congratulations. their That's awesome. members. Thanks. Yep. And so we're really excited about that. And also the strong, um, research component in that. So we can really be looking at outcomes and, um, the end of next year release uh, a kind of knowledge playbook around the learnings to the ecosystem of like okay what what's needed to implement oh that's fantastic oh so that yeah so, and that fits that checks some boxes for you in terms of you know, like you're, you're being able to impact a group you're able to do some research create a little bit mm-hmm. of a oh that's that's a that sounds that sounds awesome. fabulous actually uh-huh. yeah we're really excited about absolutely it. and yeah Nice. So the plan is to keep growing those capacity builder um, relationships and moving more and more into connecting with startups and scale-ups directly too, um, so that, which is exciting as well. Yeah. Yeah. Finding ways to, uh, yeah, when, when those teams are small and, and then as they are growing and sometimes growing very rapidly, um, we know the importance of, uh, really prioritizing the mental health, the well-being of, of those teams as they're going through that huge transitional period, right? If for any company that has gone from, you know, the five, five member team to the 30 member team in, you know, the span of months, like that's, there's a, there's a lot happening there. And so, um, yeah, really, I have have PTSD from that. (laughs) Right away. So I'm like, and and, and the concept of like, this skill or this understanding or this awareness, because everything can trigger it. Failure, six, like this doesn't just happen if your business is struggling. This mm-hmm. happens if your business is succeeding as well. Like oh, yeah. it, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no certain scenario where this shows up. It shows up everywhere. 
Because you know, being a small business mm-hmm. or a rapidly growing business, success can kill you, failure can kill you, everything can kill you. You're mm-hmm. like a deer, always on alert that someone's chasing you. Yeah. And I've heard that many times. Which back to stress response. So this isn't relative to any. It's it's relative across the board. Yeah. It's actually so. It's funny. It's funny to say that, Heather. Um, Kira had recently come across this quote, which I I just loved <laughs> because I feel like it's so bang on. Um, I think it was from the uh, so CVS Health the. Lori Tenney is the senior director of benefits, health and welfare. And that just this quote of like, when employees come to work, they don't leave their mental health in the car. <laughs> and, you know, like, I think it's, yeah. So, so whether your, your business is doing really well, whether you're struggling, it doesn't matter. Like mental health plays a role and plays a part. And so, um, yeah, our, our sort of focus coming up into the new year is, is to really look at some of these, um, startups and scale-ups that are, are, are growing, you know, are expanding, um, and see how that, you know, let them know how we can support them in, in this journey and really encourage them to prioritize, um, not only the mental health and well-being of, of the team as it grows, but also for, for that leadership, right. For the founders, Mm -hmm. for those executives that like that transition from five person team to 30 person team that there's a lot of pressure on, you know, on that founder, (laughs) on that CEO, whoever is, you know, the folks that are at the top, it's, that's big. Right. And so we want to support them so that they are functioning at their best so that they can then better show up for their teams. Leading by example isn't the best way. It's the mm-hmm. only way. I, I try exactly. to live that all the time mm-hmm. and, yes. catch, and catch, because you're always, because as a leader, as someone told me this years ago, as I was getting into business, said, never underestimate the amplitude that you have as a leader. Yes, you might be their friend. Yes, you might be their coworker, but you're mm-hmm. still a leader and they, lo- and they look to you. And if you tell them to finish at five, but you're sending emails at 10 at night, maybe, and maybe that's okay, but just remember the message that it sends. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'd, that that's not okay, but it does send a message to your team. If you're saying one thing, but doing another, mm-hmm. try to get those actions and, and, and words lined up. It goes so, it goes such, it, it sounds simple, but we often do it because like you said, well, that's for you. But for me, I have a different set of rules. So therefore that's what gets mm-hmm. seen. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's easier said mm-hmm. than done sometimes just to be candid. Like, I don't want to be flippant about it. <laughs> for sure. Well, that was, I love it. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm bought into what you guys are doing. So I was excited to have you, have you on and I've heard nothing but good things around town. So the fact that you're doing the thing, you're having impact and, uh, you know, kind of reason I, I started this podcast, I wanted to find a way to lift up our community and you're out there doing it. And I love that so much. You're not talking about it. You're not sitting there going, ah, there's, you know, we could make this better. You're out there living it and doing that thing. So kudos and high fives. That's awesome. I'm really, really happy to support and glad I could help just tell the story a little bit and get it out to maybe a different audience that needs to hear it. I think we all need to hear it. Let's go with that. (laughs) Well, yeah, we, we really appreciate that, Tyler. uh, We're happy, happy to be here. Happy to have the conversation. Um, So appreciate your enthusiasm around it. It's, it's always super exciting for Kira and I to, connect with individuals that are, you know, as, as jazzed mm-hmm. and excited about this as, as we <laughs> are, you. like we're, um, yeah, self-proclaimed keeners around this stuff. And, uh, we, we, as we, you said this before, but like we could, we could sit here and talk about it all day. Um, and so, yeah, we but really- if someone wants to come to one of your courses, let's now, I wouldn't be a good marketer if I didn't get the sales pitch. <laughs> at the end. How would I come and attend one of your, one of your events or one of your, uh, your cohorts? Yeah, absolutely. So we, um, there's a few different things that, that we offer. Um, but I would say our sort of primary, 
primary offering is our, our virtual and online courses. Um, so those are things that uh, we make available online. Folks can come and sign up. Um, we, in the past, we have offered those as uh, sort of synchronous courses that you come at a set time. In the new year, we're going to be rolling out some asynchronous versions of that. So folks can come and uh, sign up online, and then they're going to actually have access to that course material that they can work through oh, at their own okay. pace. Um, we have recognized just how busy folks in, in the startup and innovation space are. And so as flexible as we can be in terms of uh, finding ways to sort of get them to engage in this content, that's really important to us. So that's one thing. Um, you know, mm -hmm. if, if folks are involved in different, uh, you know, capacity building organizations, as Kira said, you know, we are, we are involved in, in different capacity building organizations. Um, we are sort of involved in their programming. So, you know, depending on what program that you're a part of, whether you're, you're doing something over at Innovate Calgary with the Social Innovation Hub, whether you're a part of Platforms Incubator, um, you know, we will, we will see you there um, and you can engage awesome. in some of our program that way. Um, and, you know, in terms of uh, those, those startups and scale-ups that we are, uh, that, you know, we're, we're really trying to, to work with and support, um, you know, we provide custom packages that, you know, include those, uh, those course offerings, um, you know, some uh, sort of workshops for the, those teams that that build off of that kind of foundational course knowledge, um, consulting support around developing, you know, proactive mental health policies to support your team. And obviously, the, the final piece is that counseling service. So we do offer those intervention services as well. We're very prevention based because we um, know that that is the most cost-effective way to go about taking care of mental health. And, um, you know, because if we put our, if we, we're coming back to these analogies of that smoke alarm, but if you install, like, <laughs> install the smoke detector before the house is on fire, right? So that's that prevention yes. side of things. After, after, after the fact, if we've, yeah. we have a whole different, yes. the horses out of the barn metaphor. That said, we, we yeah. absolutely know that um, some of those intervention services like counseling support are needed and important. Um, and, and so we mm -hmm. offer that too. So if amazing and and this so can our, I'm, I'm on your website you've got you've got your services broken out you have your mm -hmm. blog broken out so collectivelytangled.com go check I know it's a jump sometimes because you're listening in your mm -hmm. ears to go to a to go to a website but you have a lot of great information on your website which I appreciate mm -hmm. yeah and folks can yeah. uh, website and we're we're doing the yeah. we're doing connect the, with us on LinkedIn <laughs> amazing is I was going to ask is LinkedIn Sorry, your preferred platform because both both. Yeah, we we got a little bit of video uh, audio lag here, but uh, for both of you, LinkedIn preferred platforms. Yeah, LinkedIn is uh, LinkedIn is great. LinkedIn is awesome. You can connect with us individually. Um, we have our LinkedIn page there. Follow along. Um, if you head to our website, we do have uh, you can sign up for some updates. That way, you'll you'll sort of get some of the our next our upcoming offerings right into into your inbox. Um, we also often put on uh, various sort of community-based events in, in the city. So um, we've been working on a program with uh, our, our friends over at Peer Guidance. Um, nice. It's a series called Thriving Minds Empowering Innovators. And that's a, that's a free series um, that folks can attend. We're actually just having our, our third session online today. Um, but those sessions are held the third Thursday of every month. They sort of alternate locations between the Social Innovation Hub at Innovate Calgary, Platform Calgary, and online. And it's that's really a sort of an open forum and a community-based discussion where we can um, 
yeah, chat about some of these these topics and concerns and themes that, you know, we've touched on a little bit today. Um, but really just to have some of that open conversation about, hey, we're all experiencing this and, and let's come together to to acknowledge it. Amazing. Sarah, Kira, thank you so much for the conversation today. I love it. Thanks for the work you do in the city. And uh, I look forward to bumping into you guys around town. It's a big, it's a big, small world we live in here, especially, especially in Calgary. It's my favorite. It's my favorite big, small town ever. Absolutely. I agree, Tyler. Well, thank you so much. We're so happy to, uh, to have joined you this morning. It was a pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you.